Hello, this is your boy in Austin live from sunny Florida, Orlando, Florida, Beats that. Yes, this is an international episode of Friday Night Fright, your podcast for all the fun. On a Friday night in the background, you can hear sounds of Orlando, Florida, the beautiful sounds of the Sunshine State or the Orange County. My name's Ian Austin, as you will know, and I'm coming to you in a slightly different format today, because this is another clip show. And by clip show, I mean this is the Shudder Mania edition, where I'll recap and recycle the Shudder Mania content from earlier this year. I know some of you are disappointed. You love the original content. I understand. I concur. But, like I said, I'm in sunny Florida, so I'm enjoying the sunshine. And I don't want to do original content. But that's okay, because in just over a week, we'll be iOpdates Halloween 2. Everyone's favourite night of the year. It's not Christmas, or your birthday, or your wedding, or anything of meaningful value. Okay, because I'll be watching Halloween 2. But for now, enjoy bits from Shudamania. And I'll be back after you've watched that with an exclusive outro. Because there is some exclusive new footage, just not a lot. Enjoy the episode, and I'll be back with my smooth tones after a brief word from our sponsor. And here we go with first 10 minutes of Grave Encounters 2. Um, is there going to be subtitles on this? I don't know, so I'm trying not to have too much sound. Anyway, this is by Metrodome Distribution. I'm pumped yet! Grave Encounters 2, motherfucker! Yeah, boy! Here we go with more production cards. TRF! TRF, Tribeca Film American Express founded partner. Wow, he founded American Express. It's fucking awesome, man. Rob De Niro like a motherfucker. Tribeca in partnership with American Express. What's in your wallet? Ah, I'm drinking a good cup of Cravendale. Dark Light, Dark Light with a C, motherfucker. Hartfield, Hartfield Productions, can we get on with the goddamn movie? Come on. The Vicious Brothers present, yeah! There's a big man holding up a copy of Grave Encounters. Lots of people, their own recorded reactions to Grave Encounters. It's like the podcasters, but not. And this guy's re- for referring it as being similar paranormal activity, Wreck and Blair Witch Project. Are these people, why are they sucking off the directors? This guy's wearing Secret Wars t-shirt. Mad respect, bro, but that's quite a rattling t-shirt. Those people talking about a movie. Oh, there's a podcast, there's a TV YouTube thingy. And they're all talking about Grave Encounters like it's not really in this universe. They're just describing a movie. So is this metatextual or something? Oh, there's two females eating chocolate and talking. That oh, shitty camera they've got. No, the boys! And back to the school. And back to a cat. That cat's got right reaction. It just walks off screen. This guy's talking about how much he loves Grey Encounters 2. Um, lots of shilling for the movie. You don't need shill it, guys. I'm watching on Shudder. I don't need it be shooed. This guy looks like he's going to make a sequel to Parent Trap. He's holding up a copy of Grey Encounters on DVD and talk about how there should be four sequels. I disagree with you strongly, but I respect your right and talk absolute shit. Because I talk absolutely Oh, this guy might be an actual actor because they're lingering on him for a long time. That porno mag in the back of a comp book and with big-ass woman's titties in the background. 
And now it's time to start movie proper. My my underwear, my socks aren't trying. Oh, we get butt shot. Daisy Jutes, this bunch of teens walk up the stairs drinking as it's October 31st, comma, 2011, and we're partying, house party. Instantly, I've been to a lot of shindigs in the UK, but I've never been to a house party like this. Most house parties I've been to have been very dull, and certainly not included gothic lesbians making out in the hallway. I don't think I've been to a party like that. Anyway, they are, um, yep, they're, oh, there's a set stall. There's lots of people drinking. There's a guy in turban firing machine gun, but he's not really firing machine guns, don't shoot him. There's a guy who looks like Michael Jackson, except he's not white enough. He jumps, drives downstairs, and, yep, and now we get, um, someone who looks like four, and a guy with camera. Oh, there's four again. And he's got a hammer. He's like, oh, my hammer, it's so tiny. Oh, it's the dickhead from the start of the movie. Did the, like, close-up. And he's drinking again and drinking more. Is there anything more shit than watching people on TV, on TV or cinema drink? Oh, some make out Sailor Moon, but she doesn't approve. And there's a woman going to go close-up, and she's with four. And he's asking her if she wants him to put hammer down, and she's saying no. And his costume looks really shit and lazy. He looks really drunk, she doesn't. Um, I don't know if she's a better actress than he is. Or maybe he's actually drunk, I don't know. Anyway, people are being dragged home by their friends because they're too pissed to move. And we're in a room now where this guy is jerking off to porn that's pixelated. And wait a second. That looked like it was a guy jerking off that he's jerking off. He's jerking off to a guy jerking off. That's fine. That's cool. But, you know... I don't know whether that's intentional or not because I don't have sound turned up so I don't want to be sued by Vicious Brothers. Um, oh, four's there. It's that he does, he's four in the helmet but not in the other parts because he's not dressed like four. And his friend's like, you shouldn't catch me jerking off, bro. And they find a um, uh, onesie, a one-piece bathing suit. No, onesie, one-piece bathing suit. And oh, one guy tries it on. Like, what the fuck? I don't remember any of this from the last time I watched the movie. Maybe I selectively blag shit out. Um, the guys feel safe conscious about wearing the one piece. It's not one piece, it's a dress. Oh, but he's downstairs now. And he's um, trying to flirt the woman while wearing dress. Maybe he lost the bet. Maybe one bet. Maybe she is the bet, I don't know. And he's talking shit and he looks proper pissed. And it's awkward. It's meant to be a horror movie, right? Oh, she's digging it, though. Maybe she's jealous of his wig, I don't know. What a weird start to fucking Great Encounters too. I don't know what this has to do with Dark Side or the Anti-Monitor, by the way, but I'm going to call this guy Bob. Bob with the wig and the dress. Oh, he's taking the wig off now, and he's dancing. Everyone's dancing with him, and there's a guy three glasses, and there's four again. He still hasn't put a hammer down, and his friends in Milf dance or dancing and gets fun, some funny looks. And really, is this... Is this what the fuck is this? It's a weird ass horror movie. I mean, cool for being accepting, you know, different cultures and diversity in the LGBTQ movement and all that shit. But oh no, some throwing up in the bathroom, in the toilet. That's wonderful. And now he's passed out in bed the next day. What well, great start to a horror movie. I wonder where this is going to go. It's found footage, but why would anyone want to find this footage? Oh, and there's four next morning. There's a set doll with a giant dick. Jesus Christ. Fucking huge. 
Did he get fucked by the sex doll? Did he fuck the sex doll? Did he pump it full of fluid? Who knows? I apologise in advance. This is... I don't even know if this is Grave Encounters 2. Um, this is a weird fucking movie, I know that. I'm sure I watched this. and don't remember any of this from when I watched it. Good dub check. This is actually Grave Encounters 2. It is! Oh, apparently Spout Vimsen didn't obsess with movie Grave Encounters... Sets out with his friend's visit psychiatric hospital depicting the original film. Oh, so they're going Blair Witch 2 on it. You know, I can spec that in theory, but in execution, this is no Blair Witch 2. Um, there's the set doll. Oh, someone's teabagged him. Teabagged little Bob. Which, I gotta say, I don't understand that. I don't understand the American film teabagging people. It's like, I'm not gay, I'm straight, but you're gay. you got my balls in your face. It's like, you're putting your balls on his face. That's pretty gay. There's nothing wrong with being gay. You know, that's fine, that's awesome. Hey, more power to you. Don't teabag the guy. Don't fucking teabag someone unless they ask you to teabag them. Unless they ask for tetley's in the morning. Don't, like, don't just put your balls on an unconscious person. That's sexual assault. That's not fucking cool. And now these two dickheads are smoking weed. Um, oh no, Bob's not smoking weed. He's a film student. He wouldn't smoke weed. He couldn't possibly smoke weed. Except he's in the center of smoking weed. It's a rifting movie so far. Um, no, I'm actually writing script at the moment. Go off topic. And not much happens in that scripting theory. But stuff happens in this movie. Nothing's really happening. Oh, they're watching Grave Encounters. It's like, do do you not realise this is not real? In your universe, this is a fictional movie. Unless they're acting like this actually happened in it. Unless Grave Encounters in their universe is actually found footage, which Tribeca turned into a movie, which they could not do for a plethora of legal reasons. So, if you're obsessed by this movie and you want to visit a psychiatric hospital, nothing's going to happen there because it's not real. You know? Blair Witch handled it a bit differently because, like, they. Blair Witch in Universe was explicitly classified as a documentary, not a film. But Tribeca is not going to release a fucking documentary, you know, about this shit. Anyway, they're fucking going to make a movie called Slash and Burn, I guess. I don't know. Which has a jock trying to make out the cheerleader, trying to get in the cheerleader. Which has better production than the actual movie does. Holy shit. And Chili's just like, no, no, what? don't want to get fucked. And it just like, but you got to go forth and down. And she's like, no, so he calls her a bitch. Which, you know. Society changed a lot in the last 15 years, 10 years. It really has. Because you can't sexually assault a cheerleader anymore. And then call her bits off, bitch afterwards. You know, where I suppose some people can, which is creepy. But you don't really see that depicted on in cinema either. You know, really anymore. You know, casual sexual assault seems to have faded away a bit, which is good, because fuck, man. Some creepy-ass movies, like shit like Porky's, where they act like it's progressive. And anyway, that's me out of time. That's the first ten minutes of movie where absolutely nothing's happened. I'll be back tomorrow for the last ten minutes of movie of Grain Counts 2 to see if anything happens. Until next time, remember, life is beautiful. And here we go with last 10 minutes of Grave Encounters 2. And 
Oh, Bob's still alive, and that red-haired woman from the start's still alive. I'm going to call her Tina. Bob and Tina are still alive, but they're in a fucking psychiatric hospital, and places are fucking mess. Lights everywhere, furniture looks like shit, paper strewn everywhere, but it's just the two of them. She's wearing a white top and crawling all fours as Bob picks up camera so we get a cross shot, looks at the camera, and oh man, he's making fun faces. And he almost smiles as this woman crawls along the floor. Clearly, she's been hurt in some regard. Um, damn that dark side, damn him. Bob cuts a monologue camera talking about how much he loves dressing up in women's clothing, which I respect that. There's an admirable thing professed, but he also looks like a fucking serial killer. So maybe it's not as admirable as I thought. He's smiling like lunatic, and one can only imagine what happened in this movie to make him like this. But I'm not going to watch it and find out. Bob is now um, recording Tina. Um, oh, and there's enough camera set up. He's going close to her. She looks traumatised. There's still a muddy shit mark over her breast area. Um, clothes look ragged. And she's got very red hair and very dead shot eyes. She's backing off from Bob. Um, her eyes are a bit teary. Oh, no, she's not backing off. Bob's moving forward. And now he backs off a step. He moves forward again. Tina looks really upset. Her lipstick is smudged. Um, Bob records the ground. Oh, shit! He smashes her in the face with camera for some reason. I don't know why he's doing that, but that's fine. She falls to the ground, covered in blood. And he's... Oh, he shoots her cleavage. And oh, he slams the camera down once. And she looks up at him all covered in blood. And he slams the camera down again. Oh, shit. Lens cracked. And oh, man, her face is bust open mess. She tries pouring him away. But Bob's like, no, I'm going to crush your head in. I don't know why he's doing that. Camera's all broken too. Tina, his face is all fucked up. And Bob's like, ha, I've gone ending to my movie. It's blood everywhere. Bob puts camera down, walks away from it, looks at camera and starts talking about how much he loves making movies. And that's cool. You know, everyone loves making movies. But, you know, I think you could have saved some money on the future lawsuit and criminal proceedings if you hadn't murdered Tina. Anyway, he picks up something. He picks up uh, various parts of a gun, I think, or a camera. Is he trying to put the camera back together? Oh, no, he's trying to get rid of the camera and take it back. And he's still recording. And he walks towards the door covered in blood. Oh, no, that's red paint. He walks inside. And there's a doorway in front, another doorway, an archway even. Walks towards it. He's walking to the light. And... He, oh, he's in the field now. Wait, how how fuck's he in the field? Did he pass through fucking Stargate or some shit? He looks round, he sees, oh shit, it's door in the middle of nowhere, what the fuck? And then door crumbles, some poor CGI, and door disappears, and December 5th, 2011. Oh shit, okay, so now we get a car driving down the highway. Is this police car? I'm going to say it's police car for the sake of um, leniency. Driving long, um, we're a long way from um, characters making them um, sexual assault jokes. And um, Bob's walking me over carrying camera. The um, police are sort of like, hey, Bob, Bob, what's going on? They approach him. He slowly turns face them, so they point their guns at him. They know what he's done. We know what you've done, Bob. Bob's like, I didn't do nothing. Car drives by. They're like, Bob, we got your gunpoint, gun ground. Bob walks towards him. They grab him. Oh, no, cops, cops. Police brutality, police brutality. Oh, and smash him on the front. They're like, you motherfucker, you marry a white woman. Bob's like, I didn't do shit. They're like, you fucked her up, man. Her face is a mess. 
She might have red hair. They don't make a Jean Grey. The other cops are like, call it, man. We're on camera. And they, oh, is that it? Oh, October 1st, 22012. Hmm. Um, okay. Oh, now we get, oh, shit. Are they talking about making Graydon Countess too? What the fuck is going on? We we hope you enjoy watching Grave Encounters too. We love making it, I guess. What the fuck is going on? Oh, Bob, this this actor looks sociopathic. Oh, they're talking about how they made it. Wait, what? What the fuck? What is going on? I don't understand. This is a guy from the first one, and it's a guy from the second one. And talk about making movies. This guy's expression naturally serial killer. Because this guy's is fucking Las Vegas, you know, slip something in your drink, shit. And Bob's like, I, I didn't want murder. And they're like, you don't, it's moving. Bob's like, oh, okay, okay. I don't understand what's going on. If you watched, if you follow me on Twitter, on at Friday Night Fright on Twitter, if you can fucking explain what the fuck that was about, I'd be glad. That's your movie. Um, we're... Having just watched the first ten minutes and last five minutes plus the five minutes after that, I have to honestly say I have not a fucking clue what the fuck happened in that movie. What was the aim? What's the objective? Now you can say, Ian, surely you know what it was. The first ten minutes of movies may give you some idea of how it's going to end, you know? This, a couple of characters were in start, in beginning and the end. I have no idea how they got that far. Um... What connective tissue there was, but God bless it, you know. If you have fingers shut made in the 2019, might as well do it with a fucking finally watching 20 minutes of Grave Encounters 2. So that's Grave Encounters 2. So I finally watched that. So now I can't be head Campbell fact that I am never going to watch that movie again. Um, I might at some point. I don't know. I'm not really. I don't feel I will, you know, because I'm not. I like the first one, but I don't know what fuck that's trying to be. No, I'd rather watch Blair Witch 2 again. I love Blair Witch 2, to be fair. Anyway, that was Shud Mania 2019. And, whoa, belly. What a time we had watching that movie. Um, thoughts? Uh, I'm glad Shud Mania 2019 is over. It's fucking over. What a crazy month. I haven't watched a movie every day this month. In some cases, I didn't watch a movie at all. But 31 podcasts in 31 days. Oh, 31 days. Wow, that's crazy. I set out to do the challenge, but I didn't know whether I could actually get that far. So I think it's quite cool I've achieved that. Um, but I am very tired. I'm very worn down. I'm really looking forward to going back to one episode a week again. Um, by one episode a week, I mean I'll be going back to longer length episodes. One a week. Um, but... Uh, this weekend, I will be seeing Godzilla, um, King of Mon King of Monsters. I don't want to, but I feel it's a good Ojin Limitless thing for the podcast. So I'll bring and bear it. Plus, it's technically a horror movie. It doesn't look very good. It looks horrible, but it also looks horrifying. If that makes sense. So I'll be quite cool to look forward to. Um, then next Friday, the first episode will be moving actually from seasons. Technically, everything this year will be season two, but the next episode would be, I believe, 
rechristened. It will be episode 38 and it will be based on the movie Wretch, which is a found footage horror movie which I was followed by like the people behind it, which is always cool. Um, and I saw their, um, they made the movie and it sounded interesting, so I thought, hey, I'll watch that. So I'm going to pay for that because, God bless them, you know, I love getting screeners and shit, but... I feel more obligated. I'd give more on this review if I pay for the movie. And at the same time, if I don't like it, the people who make movie can be of money, which is good because it's just a hard. Fucking podcasting about movies is fucking difficult. Making one, Jesus Christ. I feel they deserve my money, whether it's good or not. And also, it means I'd be a bit less, a bit more impartial, you know. I don't feel I have to give good review to keep up relationship. I'll give an honest review, but who knows? There might be a few bits to that one which are a bit different, a bit against norm. And obviously, for the future, I am planning to go to YouTube at some point. I just need to work out specifics because I want to do a good job on it. And I feel like podcasting is going to take up most of my time and this podcast isn't going to end. But certain times, I feel it would be nice to do a YouTube video um, uh, in addition. Um... But yeah, the future of this podcast is looking good. There's going to be a lot more content. Um, next year, it's obviously going to be in May. I'm going to do comic book Calvicacia, which is going to be a month full of comic book reviews. I know it's not strictly horror, but this podcast is evolving in numerous ways and feel like eventually it might move away from horror and do a few more other things. And at the same time, I will be doing a... Um, oh, look, there's two women on screen talking about something, but I'm going to ignore them. And at the same time, I have lots of ideas for other content. And so I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who watched um, the Love Show of Mania 2019 this month. You have inspired me to continue making these podcasts. And I'm exceptionally grateful for everyone's support. And just generally, look, it's, podcast isn't breaking new ground. We're not getting 150 viewers or 150,000 viewers or whatever per episode but there's enough of you who are watching and listening regularly it fucking warms my heart because you don't have to you don't have to listen to this podcast whoever does and however many do you fucking warm my heart you seriously do so thank you for listening and i assure you it's gonna get so much better from here for the last time in show mania 2019 my name's ian austin and always and truly and forever remember that life is beautiful Hey, this is Ian Austin. I'm back and I just watched Bloody Black Lace. I'll try that again. Hi, it's Ian Austin. I'm back and I've just watched Blood and Black Lace. I'm lying on my couch, as all us rich, famous, esteemed podcasters do. Let's do so. You'll probably think, wow, it's been a few days now you see a doctor, but I'm recording this on the same day as I recorded my other review of Phenomena. So. It's still hurting that same day, but that's fine. Like I said, I'm lying on the couch because I'm rich. You know, I've got $3.80 or something like that in the podcast sponsorship money form. Thank you, sponsorship, which I can't take out because $10. And also, I can't take out, which you need to be a US citizen to use the US-based financial app that Anne could use this. That's fine. Eventually, I'll be able to get that money. But for now, that's my retirement nest egg. <laughs> anyway, enough about that. It's time to discuss this movie, which is a Miss Marple episode on steroids. Um, what can you say about Blood and Black Lace? 
I know what you guys can say about it. What can I say about it? In between fucking yawns, I guess I could say this is... um, I could be lazy and say it's a Miss Marple episode on steroids or fucking Mercury or whatever it's called. But it just isn't, this is a movie made in the 1960s, which does not feel like a movie made in the 1960s. Holy shit, like this is before um, Easy Rider came out. And Easy Rider was like the start of that counterculture um, American movies influenced by European movies. But at the same time, it's like, that was a shocking movie. Like fucking, oh Bonnie and Clyde, which is a shocking movie. This shit came out before Bonnie and Clyde. I'm fucking not kidding you. This shit came out in the early 60s. And this is like proper, proper fucked up horror movie. And it's it's wonderful. But at the same time, it's like, how in the blue Jesus did you did they get this released? Who would release this in the 60s? Who would approve this in the 60s? Like, this isn't that far... This isn't that far removed from, like, you know... Fucking goofy broad shit. Like, it's not that far removed. I know it's not an American movie, but... You're still getting John Wayne schlock in fucking 50s and 60s. You know? Fucking... The French New Wave movement's going on at this point. Make I think making cool movies like Breathless and uh, a boot de souffle, a suit de buffle. I don't fucking know something like that. But this is like they're cool movies about you know people smoking cigarettes and then cool. This is just fucking harsh as fuck. You know, this is like this is. Half a cool Italian movie about people in offices and, you know, smoking and cool shit. Like, really glamorous shit. And half a fucking nasty-ass shit horror movie. And it's nasty, folks. Like, this is fucking... This is as harsh as Judge Nelson. This is a really, 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 really visceral movie to watch. Like... I mean, if you told me this was made in the 80s, I'd believe you, because there's there's a lot of blood, there's a lot of fucked-up imagery, there's a lot of female violence, which is uncomfortable to watch on many multiple levels, but at the same time, it's like, the audacity to make it in fucking 60s, like... I mean, I know, I know, I know there's systemic sexism towards females in general, but, you know, even at the time, like, they wouldn't do this, they didn't normally do this shit on screens then, but in this movie we get a claw, hook claw device to the face, get a woman gets her face burned off, another woman gets fucking drowned in her underwear, not with her underwear, she's in her underwear and gets drowned, and then her fucking wrists get slit, and like you can see, you see woman in bathtub lying face down dead and fucking blood from a slit wrist slowly envelopes her face in what's actually a hauntingly beautiful shot. And I say hauntingly beautiful because it's hauntingly beautiful, but at the same time, it's all like, holy shit, like that's, she's not just dead, she's fucking dead dead. Like, in this context, yes, you can have multiple levels of dead. Like, she ain't fucking come back from that shit. You know, if she survives being drowned, her fucking wrist is gushing crimson, you know? That shit, like... 
that you were seeing like seventies horror and onwards, but this is before Vietnam. Like this, I think this is even for fucking JFK. Like, and I know it's an Italian movie. I'm just saying the mood at the time whereby wasn't conductive to this sort of movie, which is way you can understand this was literally groundbreaking and. It says this inspired the work of Dario Argento, and I I can believe that. But at the same time, holy shit, Mario Bava is one badass director. Like seriously, the shot composition in this movie, the music, the lighting. Like uh, obviously, it's many departments working together, but under his sort of general nature, and he creates an incredibly visual horror movie very visual very 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 aesthetically interesting acting wise writing i mean it sounds cool like because it's in italian but you can't trust the subtitles are actually accurate to what's going on so in that regard i wouldn't um (sighs) i wouldn't praise acting too much but the commitment, the screams and all of that. I mean, and also, like, spoilers, you know, the choice of villain, when they reveal who Mars Marauder is, not naming the movie, but, and it's it's an interesting way to do it in the 60s. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend this movie. I think groundbreaking has been used a lot and sometimes in, uh, like, childish, obtuse ways, but in this case, it's, Fucking definitely a groundbreaking horror movie. Very watchable, very um brutal, but definitely yeah, you know, like a, a horror movie that has has a bit of has has beef, it's beef, it's got beef, you know, and balls it's got balls. Yeah, it's got beef and balls. Does it have beefy balls though? Beef and balls beef and or balls, I guess. Anyway, yeah, I would probably go for four out of five. And the only reason I say that is because, no, as you can tell, I'm really tired. So parts of it I wasn't paying attention, to be honest. But so maybe it get five out of five if I was more awake. But who knows? And we definitely recommended. I absolutely watched this movie, and uh, if I see you guys now. I've got to set up. Let's find out what to watch tomorrow so we can actually be a bit prepared for once. You know, fuck it. Um, what other fucking Mario Bavo movies have they got? They got um a Bavo thing here. Oh, shudder. Shudder, you. You. You foul. Foul beast, you. That's Shudder music. I just want to set something for tomorrow, Shudder. Don't. Bavrathon. Okay. Let's do. See what's on the Bavrathon. Let's do Black Sabbath. Let's do another fucking movie about witches, which came out in 1963. And it's an anthology movie. Because that can't possibly go wrong. Black Sabbath, horror icon Boris Karloff, hosts and stars in Mario Bava's classic horror anthology, which is ostensibly about witches and shit. It might be about the um, Headless Horseman, actually. So that'd be cool. Anyway, until tomorrow, remember, life is beautiful. Well, uh, again, it's in, and just finished watching Scanners, which is 
obviously a David Cronenberg movie, and I must say it's a particularly good David Cronenberg movie. Most of his movies are very watchable, but this one has something particularly intriguing to it, namely the fact that it's a horror movie comic book hybrid. He obviously would go back to this way with Assistance in the 90s, which is actually a movie I generally enjoy and will at some point be doing either an episode on or uh, It's Not As Bad As You Think episode on. I'm not sure which one yet, but one of them definitely. Hi. I want to see Avengers Endgame again. It's really good. And, um... Go watch some wrestling after this. Recording this on Sunday, and I'm very tired, so I'm just chilling out. But this continues the theme of like um, interesting little unique horror movies because this is definitely a unique horror movie. It's um earlyish Cronenberg from like the eighties, early eighties, and it's a, a combination Cronenberg and Michael Ironside, which is a particularly effective, uh, team up of great director and very good actor. Mike Ironside obviously is the guy from such movies as Starship Troopers. He's in Major Pain for a second, Total Recall. Um, not in Robocop because he turned it down, but you know you can see shades of Hayworth Blake Bill in that movie. And loads of other movies. He's a really good actor and definitely someone I'd recommend if you see his name in the movie, you're going to get at least one decent performance. Something so the crux of this movie is Scanners. Um, in On the surface, Terror Path, but actually so much more. Spoilers are going to begin quite quickly, so if you don't want to be spoiled, just listen to my quick review, and then after about 30 seconds, stop listening. So Scanners is a very, very good movie, good acting, good writing, very clinical direction, very matter-of-fact direction, love points, but very good. It's quite violent but it's a effective little horror movie. And also, it does some of the comic book sci-fi tropes, so that's interesting. Definitely recommend. I'd probably go for four out of five. But anyway, from this point, if you're still listening, you won't be spoiled, so you are going to be spoiled. Okay, when I said this was very much an X-Men movie, I was kind of half-kidding, but upon re-watching it, it really, really is quite definitively, at least in style, and very much an X-Men movie, and would make you wish David Cronenberg had made an official X-Men movie, because he's really got the whole pat down, the whole game down pat when it comes to some of the X-Men themes. In this movie, we obviously have the characters who are being manipulated by a shady government organisation, um, which is turned down quickly because they don't know how to deal with telepaths or scanners as they're known in this movie. A scanner is on the surface a telepath. A scanner on the surface is telepath, although actually they could have a multitude of superpowers to find out in the end when one of the characters turns starts turning to fucking Phoenix levels of power from X Men. Fucking having flames come from towns and being able to shrug off immortally brutal injuries and also telepathic invasion. But Crutch of Movies playing on the idea of telepathy and telekinesis as a horrifying thing, which is something Stephen King did in novels like Carrie, where it's portrayed definitively as a horrifying fantastical concept, which when taken to its true limits is really fucking disturbing as it's emphasized by the famous scene of one scanner bursting enough scanner's head. You realise with that sort of untold power, you can easily go down the path of genuinely terrifying villainy. 
which this movie does quite effectively in very much a Cronenberg way, very clinical, very um, almost surgical precision to scenes in this movie. There's no real filler, but at times it can be a bit dry, which is something Cronenberg does sometimes fall back on. He has a dark sense of humour, but some, it doesn't always translate the way I think he intends it to in his movies. He's also someone who rush, who do, can tend sometimes to rush through his plots. He doesn't like waste time. He doesn't like to spend five minutes on the scene when two minutes will do. It's very precise in that regard. Very much Swiss, very much Swiss, uh, Swiss shit, Swiss, Switzerland, Swiss timepiece kind of guy, where he's very clinical, very precise, very matter of fact. But in some ways that does work better because this movie doesn't drag down with too much character stuff or any of that nonsense. It moves quickly, it results quickly and any of character issues are handled with very brisk pace and resolution. You know, he doesn't feel need to over explain anything. He assumes that you can figure out what's going on. You can roll with plot and main regard that's true. The downside is that you get a move like this where the main actor is overshadowed completely by Michael Ironside. But then again, this is one of Michael Ironside's most iconic performances because he's clearly giving it gusto. Some of his weird faces he makes while scanning can be slightly disconcerting or discombobulating at points, but at the same time, they're effective because you need to work out what's going on, what his agenda is and isn't. He's got very much a revolution bent to it, so in some ways these characters boil down to that Magneto versus Charles effect, where it's sort of like, no, we must rule from shit, we must rule this place because we're more powerful. Whereas the other character's name I've already forgotten, it's very much, no, no, we don't have to. And then there's the fact they're brothers, which adds an interesting dynamic to the movie. But not really too much, it's sort of uh, underplayed, very much like it is in movies like Shot Treatment, where the Reveal of being family members isn't actually that important to plot as a whole. It's just something to add a bit of attention to the final moments. So yeah, very good. On on scale of Cronenberg movies, I'd say it's up there. You know, I personally my I haven't seen all of them, but my personal favourite Cronenberg movie is currently probably Assistance. I need to watch more of them. I haven't watched Video Drone, for example. Although Dead Zone's a very good movie. Um where he takes the Stephen King book, strips out a lot of the um, Stephen King-isms, but manages to make a really good movie anyway. With no problem with that movie is I think Chris Walken's performance is a little, little too over the top. I know it's Chris Walken, but at the same time, it's like, it's a bit of an excess there. That excess doesn't really play too much a part in this movie, although Michael Ironside is quite over the top. But at the same time, also has Patrick McGowan in it, who's a very solid actor, um... That's fascinating. So yeah, I'd probably give this four out of five. I really enjoyed watching it, and I definitely recommend it. I want to get more incredible movies in general. I've been watching Crash at high school, and that was a an interesting experience. You know, not nothing really sexy about car crash violence, but Cronenberg handles these movies with quite an outside unbiased eye. So you can take things like that and do a good job there. So yeah, I enjoyed this. Um, It's quite an interesting movie to follow up Avengers Endgame with. And also a good movie to watch before I spend the next five hours watching the debut of All Elite Wrestling. But enough about that. Uh, Tomorrow's movie will be 
don't know, maybe Dead Zone, I don't know, maybe Videodrome, I'll find enough Cronenberg movie on them. Shadow Recap. But for now, remember, life is beautiful. Hello, this is Ian Austin, Friday Night Fright, back again, and I've just watched a little movie called Sam Was Here. Not a bad movie, not a bad movie at all. Uh, very Black Mirror vibes, so... In that it's a movie where you don't immediately know what's going on or who any of the characters are, but... Ah, now gone blue-brew, but progressively gets weirder and weirder, and you find out more and more, until you get to the finale, and you're like, huh... And then go her. And then you allow a little sigh and realise and there's a new episode of Black Mirror right up already for you. And I went on Shudder and I looked for the next episode of Black Mirror and then I realised, wait a second, Black Mirror's not on Shudder. And also, this isn't a Black Mirror episode. It's the movie. And then I was like, oh, that's okay then. That's fine. An anthology movie that's not part of an anthology. Hmm. That's your downfall of this movie, isn't it? It's very watchable. It's very intense. It's very um, well executed. And it's very dramatic. But it feels like an episode from an anthology series rather than a movie. Despite that, it's very cinematic in places. I think stuff like Black Mirror and I'm sure Creepshow and Shudder it's been getting more and more cinematic anyway, so levels are blurring a bit. Or I drink some dark pepper, dark coke. Um, yeah, it's without getting spoilers quite yet. It's it's very powerful, very dark movie. Um, doesn't really explain much, which is probably reason why it's seven five minutes long. And game notes makes it feel a bit more like a TV show because it's um quite short. In some ways, it's good and it's short because it's quite compact to the point and doesn't waffle, constant progression. But in other ways, if had that, it's for 5, 10 minutes or even 15, get 90 minutes to sweep spot. Maybe my criticism, a bit feeling, a bit too much like TV show, go away. Although some Black Mirrors have gone to like 90 plus minutes for some weird reason. Very often, they can't justify that much length. But it's powerful. Um, I think now's the point where I'm going to have to get into spoilers because there's not much more to discuss otherwise. So, don't want to be spoiled. Come back tomorrow. I don't, I don't have any clue what we're recapping tomorrow. Cause, uh, or I'm recapping tomorrow, even I keep mixing up my pronouns. But it'll be something. So, come back tomorrow for another episode of Shud Mania. And if you stay, you're going to get spoiled, okay? So, I presume you're here, you won't be spoiled. So, here goes. This is a weird fucking movie. About a guy who is in a strange place and may or may not have murdered a little kid. And all the civilians, pedestrians, residents of the town wear, pin- wear like weird masks and attack him. Weird like human masks. Like, um, what's that shitty American eatery? Big boy, you know, big boy um, in America. The way that weird statue looks, the masks look like that. Can't point break S2. Not presidential, but that sort of thing. And anyway, they're all trying to kill him. And he's proclaiming his innocence. And he's proclaiming his innocence firstly by killing and maiming most people he comes in contact with. Which, you're already being hunted by creepy mask-wearing hillbillies. And you're murdering them. And police. It's just going to make them want to kill you more, mate. 
So you have to mention Sam is trying to find his innocence because everyone say you murdered the kid's been tormented by radio shows. So like you murdered this kid. And he's like I I didn't do it. And they're like you did. And he's sort of like I didn't. And that takes us through the first three thirds of the movie. And all the way, well, all the well, all the well, he's trying to find a guy named Eddie who we only see from the back and looks kind of uh, the guy from um, Watchmen, Rorschach, Jackie, Jackie Haley. Kind of looks like that. Guy from back, you know, kind of. Kind of a creepy performance by whoever played Eddie. I can't, he's like second main actor in cast, but I can't remember who he was. But it's really creepy, and it's sort of like, it's like a stage play, but a stage play for lots of murder setting multiple locations. Not much of a stage play at all. And he's trying to find Eddie, but can't. And Eddie's sort of like, you, you murdered her, and I've got this fake news now I'm going to tell you people's real news. I'm insane that your innocence is fake news. And he torments Eddie, Sam with that. And Sam's like, i got to call my wife. And he calls her and keeps leaving messages and wondering, why aren't you picking up, honey? Why aren't you picking up my daughter? And he's got lying in the back seat. And then you find out at the end that he may have murdered a little kid. Because apparently Sam died five years ago according to his wife. And then he's taken in shower by a bunch of hillbillies and they throw fucking acid on him and then move ends. Quite intense. Um, I think it was missing one or two bits of connective tissue. Like, once you've done that reveal, you know, you, there has to be some payoff as to whether he's imagining it because it's implied that he's dead. And this is all him hallucinating, but it's also like he's alive, I guess. So it's all vague on that end. And fake ambiguity is fine sometimes, but it makes a short, compact movie that you could have had a bit more at-the-end explanation, just a little bit. Especially as this isn't an anthology. Like, anthologies can end kind of vague because they're one-offs and, you know, you're playing into... A bigger overarching story, even off story, bigger overarching theme. This isn't, this is just a one off. So, I would have liked maybe one scene of clarification at the end, but it's watchable, it's good. And you know, I am glad I watched it. It's quite intense, quite short, quite punchy, but yeah, again, at the same time, like. Yeah, you know, like just that little, little 10% extra. Little ten cent, seven and a half more minutes. Seven and a half more minutes would be perfect, you know. But couldn't quite get there, so that's fine. But good, watchable. I'd probably give it. Oh no, I'd, I'd probably go for three and a half. Four skulls out of five. I don't vote on Shudder, as you know from my voting thing I did the other day. Uh, on Friday, if you. It was like years ago for me. But yeah, I definitely recommend this. And what am I watching tomorrow? Fuck it. Scanners. I'm watching Scanners tomorrow if that's on Shudder. But anyway, for now, this is Ian Austin signing off saying, remember, life is beautiful. Hello, this is Ian back. I've just watched Blood on Satan's Claws and what a strange movie. I don't say that in a nasty way. It's an interesting movie. It just was a very strange one. So I think that's the best way to talk about was strange movie. Um... Nice way to start off. Very weird movie. Very odd. 
kind of a companion piece in some way to um, Lords of Salem. I said a companion piece came out 40 years earlier and in fact predates The Wicker Man. But at the same time, they're, they're movies which might possibly have something in common with each other. Because this has the feel of a 1970s exploitation movie of sorts. And Lords of Salem obviously is quite exploitative and nasty and not very good. But they have some things in common. And it continues theme of witch movies. Um, I'll really describe this movie. It's creepy. It's really weird and really creepy. There's a lot of aspects to it which are very disturbing. The um, wicked wedding sequence in particular, which is just fucking surreal and terrifying and really fucked up and not very pleasant to watch. And just generally, yeah, it, I, I kind of got vibrant points of um, when Wes Craven made um, The Here's Have Eyes and Last House Song Left, where he is making these movies with uh, messages that were also really fucked up, you know, letting people know you can make horror movies with a really fucked up aesthetic, but still say something about society. I don't know what he's saying about society. Um, other than the fact that cults are bad, witches are bad, and teenagers who um, fall under the spare of a satanic, satanic entity who gives them a yucky patch of furry skin are bad. I don't, I don't think saying that furries are evil, but... One could make that argument. I would not, but I would just generally say it's just a really weird abstract movie. I, I quite enjoyed the aspect of it. It's um loosely plotted. Like I said, they find a beastly creature's bones and then teenagers fall under spell. So there's not much plot. Mainly it's just an old-timey witch-hunting movie with aspects of the... um. Uh, demonic there, satanic demonic, and generally it's quite a powerful movie about um cults and just terrifying wedding sequences. I guess it's fair to say. Uh, the tone of it was quite strange because it's trying to go for ye olde terminology, but at the same time play up some tropes of the seventies. That sort of Roman Polanski um, vibe of 70s horror where it's just just got enough of a realistic intonation but at the same time some weird shit going on in the background that I'm sorry I'm not, I'm not with it today. um just that, that sense of slight undercurrent of Bizarreness. Obviously, this is a bit more because it keeps showing a beastly creature in the background, and you've got the um, the furry skin and that. So it's more overtly supernatural. But at the same time, it's like a lot of it's on the uncurrent of the frame. Um, it's that way of take way of adding a bit of fog to the frame. So it's shot like a normal movie, but the fog and music add a bit of an abstract element to it. I would say um. The acting was pretty good. I, I wouldn't say it's phenomenal, but I'd say it's very um, tense acting. Slightly reminiscent of David Finch's Sojak, actually, where it's kind of naturalistic, but kind of a bit broad at the same time. Very watchable, very um, terrifying. Uh, as you can see, um, as you can hear even, I'm out of practice. I haven't um, 
Except for Lords of Salem, I haven't recapped the movie in a fair while in terms of days and I'm trying to catch back up. I'm also suffering from cold, so that doesn't hit matters any. Um, what does Scott really say about this movie? Uh, batshit insane, I guess. <laughs> I keep mixing my analogies as a problem because I keep saying it's realistic and then it's batshit insane. I mean, I, I suppose the absolute best way of describing this movie is it's like a more exploitation less art house version for the witch um i believe this movie had to have inspired the um the witch movie from the last couple of years because it's it that's kind of the artistic you know very matter of fact horror and this is just the old horror but i like this movie i thought it's good i thought it was um kind of messed up um, that we wedding sequence was really brutal and generally violence was just sexual and otherwise was just really chilling to watch uh, would I say it's essential viewing I don't know I think it's um, any movie which comes out of a scene like that wicked wedding sequence deserves somewhat of a watch and in context it's even more disturbing than it was but at the same time, essential? Um, I don't think I would say that. I I think it's very watchable. I think it's very competent. And I think some of the weirder aspects of it are quite interesting. And there's some okay acting. There's some weird shit. There's some good camera angles. There's some good um visuals and music. But I it's not much plot. Not much really happens. It's... Kind of going for more atmosphere than anything, but it doesn't quite grasp the atmosphere. And the writing is almost non-existent. So, no, I wouldn't say essential. I'd probably go for three out of five. Um, watchable, enjoyable, glad I watched it, but essential? Uh, no, I wouldn't go that far. But at the same time, if you're looking for a slightly different sort of horror movie, which has the feel of The Wicker Man... Definitely, if you're going look for which movie on Shudder, I'd absolutely put this over Lords of Salem. But, yeah, I wouldn't say essential. But I enjoyed it. I'd go three out of five, and it's worth watching. And I'd like to watch it again when I didn't have... Well, either didn't have cold, or when I had a really, really, really bad cold, you know? I'd love to watch this sort of movie when I was hallucinating, flying high, you know? Uh, on a 420 or something like that. Anyway, what am I recapping tomorrow? Uh, it's a good question. I'll have a look through. Uh, sorry, I don't. Not on my prime form today, I'm afraid. It's a. Old Ian is feeling very old today. Um, what am I watching tomorrow? Fucking hell, what? I've got so much shit on this. Done that, done that, done that, done that. Why save the shit? Fucking hell. Um, triangle. I'm watching Triangle tomorrow because I love Triangle and I think I'll be great. So next up on Shudmania is Triangle, um, which is actually one of my favourite movies on Shud and my favourite horror movies of recent, the recent age. So until next time, remember, life is beautiful. 
And I'm back. I hope you enjoyed the episode. But now it's time to say goodbye for another week. But have no fear. Despite what I said, I'll have to watch Iopdit's Ham. I'll have to watch Halloween 2 here and do a commentary and do a full special. So I'm not off the hook yet. But in the meantime, listen to Sounds of Orlando, Florida. And listen to Sounds of Your Boy here in Austin. The podcast host who's recorded an episode a week for well over a year. Plus a full month of Shadowmania content. All for the lovely price of zero, 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 zero. Because that's what I do. I bring joy to the masses. And I do it from love to Orlando, Florida. Seriously, these guys, this is fucking awesome. This is the nicest place. I've been sat by jacuzzi most time doing nothing. And I've even started writing a script. And I'm reading Stephen King's Misery in jacuzzi. In the area, because it's empty. It's the best. But enough about that. Enjoy your days. Remember that life is beautiful. And as always, sign off, sign on, and sign through. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week.